0: Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hello to everyone. The one thing we do have in common is that we love the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I personally love him so much because all that he's done for me, God is a good God. God is a marvelous God. And I often say, In my daily activities, I I will not apologize for being sanctified. I just can't help myself. You ever get that feeling sometimes? Well, you just want to talk about the goodness mm, of God Almighty. Mm, I just love Him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. Let us pray together. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, preach through me by the power of your Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. transform us more so into the image of your son Jesus and I do make this prayer oh God in the name of Jesus amen dr. Davin Watkins my friend and my dear brother I want to thank you for extending this invitation to me I want to thank you uh, for being God's representative and laboring uh, in the vineyard of God to Uh, display what the church really is and what Christianity truly looks like. Um, I thank God for you. This is not my first time here. Some of you may remember, a few of you may, that I was here a few years ago and enjoyed myself. So I thank God uh, for this experience to uh, uh, my dear sister and friend, Evan's wife and son. And they tell me, Molly, she's in school and everybody's doing well. Uh, Jane Allen and yeah, Nathan, and uh, to all of the leaders in this church and you, uh, I thank God for each of you. All right. Now, Davin said that we get out of church at 12. Yeah. Now, is that noon or midnight? Uh-huh. I thought I'd get you there. Okay. All right. Now, I'm just, I'm just joking, you see. Yeah, if I say that in the church, I'll pass to somebody to put two fingers up. Two fingers mean I'm not coming back. One finger means I'll be right back. <laughs> They'll leave out. <laughs> but God be praised. And listen, uh, Brother West, uh, what, what a blessing. My God, what a blessing. And I've just enjoyed this experience this morning. And to this choir, my God, I mean, COVID-19 didn't slow you all down one bit. This is, this is what worship should be. Uh, this church is sitting on a hill for a reason. Jesus is in its place. And I am grateful, amen. My God, my God. Well, God bless you. Well, I won't belabor the time, and let me move right on um, to the biblical text. Uh, My wife sends her greetings. Uh, She's on an assignment helping with our online services uh, on um, this morning and could not be here. Um, But uh, we thank God for Sister Carla and uh, even in her absence into New Jerusalem. Uh, the church that God has blessed me to serve uh, now and for uh, 21 years I'm grateful uh, for our relationship and the fact that God has given me the privilege of serving as pastor overseer of his church so may God continue to bless this ministry and thank you all from the bottom of my heart for this opportunity to stand and proclaim the good news I'll be preaching this morning from first Samuel chapter 4 as well as from chapter seven. We will merge those two chapters. We will connect them rather. First Samuel chapter four, I'm reading from the NIV. I will begin reading this morning uh, at verse 17. I'll conclude at verse 22, which is the end of the chapter of chapter four. Hear ye the word of the Lord, from 1 Samuel chapter 4, beginning at verse 17. The man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines, and the army has suffered heavy losses. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died, for he was an old man and he was heavy. He had led Israel 40 years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured, and that her father in law and husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth, but was overcome by her labor pains. As she was dying the women attending her said, Don't despair, you have given birth to a son, but she did not respond or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. Because of the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, the glory has departed from Israel. For the ark of God has been captured. Chapter 7. Beginning at verse 7. Chapter 7. Beginning at verse 7. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah. The rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord he cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were rooted before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to the point below Beth-kar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. The already blessed word of the Lord for the people of God. Amen. I want to talk about from Ichabod to Ebenezer. From Ichabod to Ebenezer. Hmm. David's testimony in Psalm 124, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, then he encourages Israel to join in. Let all Israel say, if it were not for the Lord, who was on our side, when our enemies and our foes came upon us to eat up our flesh. It is David's testimony. It is Abraham's testimony when he is asked to go and sacrifice his son Isaac as a test. And after the angel of the Lord says to Abraham, steal your hand and do the child." no harm. He calls that place Jehovah-Jireh. And he says, for the Lord will provide. We know that God is a good God. We know that God is a provider. We know that God loves us. You see, God does not make the difference. God is the difference. Jesus does not make a way. He is the way. It is our faith and trust during perilous times in an almighty God. So much so where Christians do not need to apologize for being Christians, but celebrate the fact that we've been saved by the grace of God. And we're thankful for God's goodness and God's mercy. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise for it was grace that brought my liberty. I do not know just why he came to love me so but he looked beyond my faults, and he saw my need. So I'm grateful for the goodness of God. But there are times in life when sometimes we move. Matter of fact, we change our zip code, although God maintains his permanent address. If anybody moves, we move because God is always where God is. God is faithful to his people. God will take care of his people. God will watch over his own because he's God. He's made us that promise that it will always be there. But sometimes in life, mm, through influence, through temptation, we sometimes step outside of the will of God, and it can happen to anybody. We can backslide. This is what has happened with Israel. God is good to Israel. He has brought them a mighty long way, brought them out of Egyptian bondage, guided them through the midst of the wilderness, provided everything they needed. Matter of fact, they never had to stop at a grocery store. That it was delivered personally by God, he went into heaven's kitchen and baked bread and sent them manna, put a navigation system in the minds of quails and told them where to land each evening so that Israel would have food to eat. God himself, divine guard on their clothing, Clothes never wore out. They never had to stop at Walmart or go to a shopping mall. God who is good that way. You all know who I'm talking about. God our keeper. God our sustainer. God who keeps on blessing us. But something happens over a period of time. Now Moses is off the scene. Joshua is gone. They've experienced the time of the judges. And here it is now. Israel have turned away from God. It is in 1 Samuel chapter 4, and i mindful of the time. 1 Samuel chapter 4, they are now aligning themselves for battle. They are in battle against the Philistines, their enemies. They are accustomed to having victory. They know the story of how God would show up and grant victory in the midst of battles. But they've turned away from God. It is the sons of Eli, Phinehas, and Hophni. They have misled the people. They have led the people in idolatry. Uh, They have had uh, prostitutes at the temple. And they've done things uh, that is displeasing in the eyes of a holy God, which has caused the nation to decline. Even Eli is not where Eli should be. He's an old man. His eyes are dim now. And the nation now has declined. They line up in battle, verse 2, against the Philistines. Verse 1, the Bible says that the Israelites aligned themselves at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Aphek. In order to do battle. In verse 2, the battle starts, and what happens is 4,000 of the Israelites were killed in battle. They can't understand what has happened. How is it that the Lord has allowed this to happen to us, that 4,000 were killed in this battle? In verse 3 of chapter 4, they said, well, listen, let us go and fetch the ark of the covenant of God, that it might Give us victory. Let's go get the ark, which is the representation of God, the uh, rectangular box that's made of acacia wood with a gold overlay. Inserted within it is a duplicate copies of the uh, laws of Moses, the mosaic laws. It has a, uh, Aaron's rod. It has a jar of manna. Let us bring this representation into battle. And they say in the King James Version that it might give us victory. In the NIV, it says that we, that he may give us victory because of the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. What they don't realize is that God has placed them on their own because they have stepped away from the Lord. And what they do, they rush to Shiloh, the elders. They bring the Ark of the Covenant to the battle, and they go into battle. Verse 5 of chapter 4, the Bible says that the Israelites made a great shout. Oh, shout so loud that the ground shook. They were shouting. They had the noise, but they didn't have the very presence of God, and they did not know it. And the Bible says in verse 10 that when the battle was over, 30,000 Israelites were slaughtered, were killed in battle. They can't understand what's going on. What has happened is God has decided to move out because the people have moved idolatry in. The people have turned away from God. They really think that God... Needs some help. God needs assistance. And God doesn't need anybody's help. God is God, all by God's own self. Matter of fact, not only is God omnipresent, which really means He's everywhere, everywhere at the same time, not only is God omnipotent, which really means that God has all power, but God is omnicompetent. God always knows what God is doing at all times, and the people, they turn away from God, and God says, listen, since you want to change your zip code, then what I'm going to do, uh, momentarily, I'm going to change my address, and I'm going to move out, and you won't be able to get in touch with me. Well, that they do. Um, The battle is over. They've been defeated. Now, there is a Benjamite, a Benjamite, from a, a man from Benjamin, he has to go and give the report. Verse twelve. He makes his way back to town. Eli knows something is going on. He knows that there's something wrong. The man goes in and he gives a report. Eli asks, "What is all of this noise about?" The man goes in. He tells, "Listen, there's been a great slaughter in battle. Your sons are dead, Hophni and Phineas. And guess what? The Ark of the Covenant has been captive, or t- taken captive." by the Philistines. It has been captured by the Philistines. Eli hearing this, and the Bible says he was an old man and very heavy, he fell from the back of his chair and he broke his neck and he died. After that event, something else is going on. Phinehas' wife is about to give birth. She's giving birth to her. She goes into labor. She's about to give birth. Now she hears the fact that her father-in-law is dead. Her husband was killed in battle. The Ark of the Covenant has been captured. And as she was giving birth, she gave birth to a son, and she named that child, according to the Bible, verse 20 of chapter 4, Ichabod, for she said, the glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. Verse 22, she named that child Ichabod because the glory has departed from Israel. What do you do when the glory departs? What do you do when God moves out? Because whenever God moves out, trouble is going to move in. I submit unto us today that God is our answer, God is our solution, and God is our help. And what has happened now with the Israelites, they can not say like David said in Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Because they don't have any help anymore because God has packed up And God has moved. And what they're doing, they are experiencing what David experienced in Psalm 30 and 7. When David became arrogant and said, in my prosperity, I shall not be moved. And God moved out. And David had to state and testify in Psalm 30 and verse 7 that you turned from me, Lord. You turned and hid your face from me, and I was troubled. Or is it like Isaiah 54 and 7, when the Lord says, for a brief moment, I abandon you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back again. It is God who decides that if we don't want God, God says, let me allow you to make it on your own without me. I want to say to the church this morning that I need God. I want God. I love God. And I need God to guide me. And if the church would just ask God, mm, If you just guide us through all that we're experiencing, maybe something powerful will happen, something that we just can't explain because we don't want to have ordinary church services. We don't want to have ordinary testimonies. There ought to be a testimony of what God is able to do. And let me say this before I take my seat, which I'm at the 50-yard line. I'm not quite in the end zone yet. I do want to let us know this is a wonderful time to be a Christian. I might complain, brother. Every now and then I have to sit down and weep because I love God so much. And I see how the world continues to turn against God. And sometimes it seems that the church won't stand up and say anything. But it's a wonderful time to be a Christian. This is a time to let the whole world know that you have a testimony and that you have a conviction in your heart and that you love God with no compromise. Where the glory departs, and let me go ahead and run the 100-yard dash now, the glory departs from Israel, which means they have no protection, which means they have no power, which means there will be no blessings, because God has stepped away from them because they have stepped away from God, and I pray that the church will stand. I pray that the church will unite. I pray that the church will be that awesome display of God's presence God's character, so that the world, and matter of fact, if we don't do anything, who will? And that's the great question for the church. But what happens? God says, listen, you think I need you? I'm going to show you that I don't need you. And chapter 5, verse 1, what the Philistines do, they go, they take the Ark of the Covenant and they carry it to Ashdod. They put it in the temple of Dagon, their national deity. So they're saying, listen, we defeated the Israelites, now we're going to let our God, the God of the Philistines, defeat the god of the Israelites. And they take it into the house of Dagon, who is really a merman, uh, the head of a man, bearded man, with the body of a fish. And he's supposed to be the god of fertility. uh, Dagon, which perhaps uh, is derived from the word grain, but Dagon. And they line these two deities up. And what you have, uh, you have a universal god uh, versus a territorial god. And so what they do in verse 2, they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, and they walk away, close the doors up, and they leave God's representation, the Ark of the Covenant in the temple all night long. God is letting Israel know, I don't need you, I'm God all by myself. Verse three, they come back and they check to see what happened overnight. When they get back, something has happened. Dagon has fallen on his face before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Dagon is sending a message to the people. He's letting the Philistines know if you really know who, good, who God is and how good he is, you'll fall down and you'll worship God. You know, that's the way I approach God because I'm afraid now that there, God is so common to people. In other words, people become so common with God that they lose uh, the sacredness of how to approach God. 21 years I've been preaching, and every Sunday morning when I make it to the pulpit, I am shaking and trembling in my shoes praying to God, will you help me preach? It doesn't matter that I've been preaching almost 25 years because I still can't get it right. Matter of fact, if the Holy Ghost doesn't show up in this poor pit, you all don't want to hear Reginald Calvin just talk about a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't matter, but I still need the Lord. I'm not common with him. He's sacred. God is holy, and I approach him in such a way where I'm always on my face. They come in, and they take Dagon, put him back in place, well, they think this is a coincidence. Oh, no, this is not a coincidence. God is in Dagon's house and letting Dagon know that Dagon's house is God's house. For the earth is the Lord's, the fullness of the world, and they that dwell therein. They come back in the next morning, verse 4, and they check one more time. When they get in the next morning, Dagon is on his face, but God has broken off his head. God has broken off his hands. And God is sending a message to the people in the territory of Ashdod. He's letting them know this, what you're worshiping, has no power because I've disconnected his hands. Matter of fact, he can't make any decisions because I've disconnected his head. But I want us to know that we serve a God who knows what he's doing because he's God before before. He's God who is after, after, so much so that God can talk about things before they happen as though it has already happened. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by stripes... We're healed, but Jesus is not dead yet, but God is speaking as though Jesus has already died chronologically, but kairotically. In the mind of God, Jesus has already bore the cross, and so God always knows what God is doing, and God is saying, listen, I am God all by myself, and the Bible says something interesting in verse 6. Although Dagon's hands have been broken off, the Bible says, but the hand of the Lord was heavy against the people of Ashdod. God moved, God afflicted them with emeralds, God afflicted them with tumors. And the people said in verse seven of chapter five, the ark can't dwell with us, let's get it out of here. It's not meant for us, it's meant for the people of God. I do wanna let you know that God has blessed you with something that's meant for you. At the point in time you were healed with the Holy, uh, you were filled with the Holy Ghost it's meant for you. The day you were saved is meant for you. The day you are sanctified is meant for you. Not meant for other people, it's meant for you. And although it may be meant for other people, I'm saying God specifically did something in your life. And whether or not other people are saved, it doesn't matter to me. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm sanctified. I know that I'm satisfied with the Lord God Almighty. Well, they have to take the Ark of the Covenant. They have to move it on out of that place. Chapter 7, verse 1. Give me five minutes. I'm going to try to pull this together real quick. Chapter 7, verse 1. What they do, they uh, take it to Cariath-Jerim, and uh, they put it in the house of Abinadab. They take his son, Eleazar, and they consecrate him. And they say, we want you to keep the ark of the covenant of God. Treat it the way it is supposed to be treated. Care for it the way it is supposed to be cared for. And the Bible says in verse 2, that the ark remained there for 20 years and the people of Israel cried unto the Lord. Well in verse 3 Samuel says, let us have a talk because Eli's dead. Now Samuel steps up. Samuel says this, if you are if, if, if you are returning to the Lord, put away the foreign guards and the bells and return to the Lord with all your heart and serve him only. Don't serve anybody else. Well The people in verse 4 decide, yes, this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to put everything away and we're going to serve the Lord and serve Him only. Verse 5, it is Samuel who says, Listen, I want you to meet me at Mizpah. Come to Mizpah and let us get together, and I want to give you some instructions there. When they come to Mizpah, this very special and unique place, Mizpah, this place uh, of separation, this place of repentance. It is a place of separation, a place of repentance. Genesis chapter 31 and verse 49, this is where Laban and Jacob met. They've been tricking one another. Laban tricked Jacob. Jacob tricked Laban. Laban is after Jacob. But they come there, and uh, they make this agreement together that let's settle all of this. 31 and 49, may the Lord watch in between me and thee while we're absent one from another this place of separation and repentance. There ought to be a place that we visit, a place that we can go that gets us away from everything. Separation, repentance, that we know not only who we are, but we know whose we are. And I don't want the influence of the world to get me out of the will of God. I want my light to shine so shine before men, humanity, that they will see my good works and glorify my Father who is in heaven. I believe this is the call of every Christian now. I know it's a difficult time. I know we're going through a lot, but this is the time to let your light shine. Life is not going to always be easy. As a matter of fact, we've had it so good. We could uh, come to church, no trouble, do what worship, what we feel like worshiping. But now, We are dealing with some things. We have a plague upon the earth now. We have to be careful with where we go. We have to really think about and make decisions each day of how we're going to do everything But what it does for me, it helps me to more so appreciate God because I love God that way. I would never, never worship the way I used to worship, although I worship God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength, but it has carried me to another level to appreciate the freedom, to appreciate the liberty in the church, to be able to hug my brothers and sisters. This is a wonderful time to be a Christian, to stand and bring people together in a time where we are most divided, where the church has the opportunity to spread the love of the gospel because God is love. Yes, He is. All right, all right, all right. Okay, now, I need to run now. I need to run. Let me run through in about three minutes because it's almost 12 o'clock. I know what happens at 12 o'clock. I know it's time to eat at 12. Let's get out of here at 12. Now, we don't need this long-winded preacher up in here It's going to keep us in here to 1230. David has us out of here. All right, let me press on. Well, they return unto the Lord because this is what uh, Samuel says. They put everything away in verse four, and then, uh, uh, and then in verse five, here they are there at Mizpah. And then at verse six, they take water and they pour it out. Mm. They pour it out as they're pouring out their heart before God. If y'all just bear with me, just give me a minute. They pour out their hearts before God. Saint Augustine, Thou hast made us for Thyself, O God. And our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. They take their hearts and they pour it out before God. I have to take and bring myself before God, empty, broken. I need you to make me. Because the great trage- tragedy of this, check, of, of this text is not so much that they walked away from God and they abandoned God and God abandoned them, but the great tragedy would be if God would not return and hear their prayer. We've done many things. We've been many places. And you can't hold things against yourself. Mistakes that you've made, places you've been, things that you've done. That's not the great tragedy. I think about David in 2 uh, Samuel chapter 11. He commits an awful sin and it is a tragedy. But the greater tragedy would be if he didn't write Psalm 51. Creating me a clean heart, renew within me a right spirit. And it's all right to show up at Ms. Paul. It's okay to confess our sins. We've sinned against you. And I think this is a time where, they need, where there needs to be confession because so much has changed in this world now. Where things that God stands against, people stand for. But I still stand with the Bible because I know I've sinned and I've come short. That's what the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray and so I stand right now nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I claim well what they say is this verse 7 and I'll be done in two minutes verse 7 uh, the Philistines hear about them being at Mizpah, and they come in to attack them verse 8 cry out unto the Lord Samuel cry unto the Lord for us don't stop crying and calling to the Lord that he might give us victory now they're where God wants them to be because in chapter 4 verse 3 They brought the Ark of the Covenant and said it might give us victory, the representation. Now, here they are in chapter 7, verse 8 that God, the reality, the substance, He will grant us victory. And so what Samuel does, he takes and he he, he sacrifices a suckling lamb. And then in verse 10, the Bible says, as He was making the sacrifice, it is the Philistines who came up against the Israelites. And, uh, but the Lord intervened for them, and the Lord caused a clap of thunder that threw the Philistines into a panic. God stepped in. God moved on their behalf and God gave them the victory. I want to tell you, there's no victory like the victory that God can give to his people. Some people in here today, you know that God has given you victory. I don't know what you've been through. Maybe it was sickness in your body, but you know God has healed your body. I don't know whether you've had some financial situations, but you know God has granted the victory. So much so that Samuel says, well, listen, What I'm going to do in verse 12, he says, I'm going to take a stone and I'm going to put it between uh, Mizpah and Shin and I'm going to call this stone Ebenezer, which means stone of help. And he gives a testimony. For thus far, the Lord has helped us. I've got to get out of here now. I'm on my way to my seat. I've got to ask a question before I leave here because I believe that there are some sanctified folk up in this house today. I need to ask, has the Lord helped anybody thus far, regardless of what's going on in your life, what's going on in this world, is there anybody that God has sustained thus far? Don't know whether your job is going to lay you off. Don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but thus far, the Lord has sustained you. Is there anybody in here who can testify that the Lord is still keeping them? Don't fool me in here today. There ought to be somebody who knows of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Now, that's all I needed, Now I got to go. But let me tell you that uh, this testimony that Samuel gave thus far was a time— Since the testimony, but let me give you some eternal news. There is one who is greater than the Ebenezer experience, the thus far experience. And I can hear the angel saying to Mary, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted, God with us. And I don't know about you today, but I'm glad, hallelujah, that God is with us. And I'm glad that regardless of what the world may do, but I know that we serve a God who said, I would never leave you and I would never forsake you. And he made his way down through 40 and two generations. And he showed up in a little town called Bethlehem of Judea, walked the dusty roads of Galilee for 33 long years. Anybody in here knows who I'm talking about His name is Jesus. I'm talking about Mary's baby. I'm talking about God's only begotten son. And one Friday morning, they carried him up on a skull-shaped hill called Calvary, where he stretched his hands wide, and they lifted him high, and they dropped him low. And when they dropped him low, three worlds lost its equilibrium, Uh, heaven, earth, and hell. And midday, hallelujah, looked like midnight, And the rooster went home and started crowing at the noonday. And I want to tell you, uh, Pelham, before I take my seat, he died one Friday on a skull-shaped hill called Calvary. And it felt like Ichabod, uh, has the Lord departed from us, they took him down off the cross, and they put him in Joseph's tomb. And he stayed there all night, Friday night. And he stayed there all day Saturday. He stayed there all night, Saturday night. But early Sunday morning, something happened. God got him up. I said, God got him up with all power in his hands. Do you know that he lives? I said, I know that he lives. One day he got down in my heart, and my life hadn't been the same. I know that he lives because he's an awesome and mighty Savior. I know that he lives because God sent an escort service to pick him up, and God didn't send a limousine, and God didn't send a Cadillac, but God sent a cloud, and Jesus stepped on that cloud and made his way back to the celestial shores of heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God. But that's not how the story is One of these old days, I said one of these old days, he's coming back again. I said he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But I have one problem this morning. I can't wait that long. I've got to talk about it right now because I just want to tell the Lord who's been so good to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Anybody, is there somebody who knows how God has turned your life around? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for putting my feet on solid ground. Is there anybody who knows that the Lord will turn your life around? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son in my life. Is there anybody who ever had an experience of darkness, but you know now that Jesus is the light of the world? Can somebody in here, anybody in here, just tell the Lord, thank you today? Thank you, Lord. In the midst of COVID, thank you, Lord. In the midst of division, thank you, Lord.